Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church. Uh, my name again is Keller. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 10. It's also on the screen behind me and on page four of your worship guide. Um, so Luke 10, 25 to 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together and worship you and hear from your word. God, I pray that you would speak through um, Joel this morning that you would use this sermon to bless us and to grow us, Lord, and to teach us what it means to love like you have loved. Um, Lord, help us to, to do that and to live that out every day. And then it's in your name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much, Keller. Every organization, whether it's a church or a nonprofit or a business, um, you know, some individual venture, there is only so much time and energy, resources, money uh, that you have to manage. And often the problems or the decisions that have to be made are that there, there are lots of them. And so part of how organizations can deal with that disparity, the gap between your available time and energy and resources, and then the overwhelming problems or challenges you may face, is that you navigate those things with your values. You work out what are the things that are important to us, and, and how does that play out when we're confronted with those hard situations. 
And so during the month of September, as we're now a few months into regathering in person, we felt like the leadership at Mosaic thought it was important for us together, whether this is just your first time connecting with Mosaic Silver Spring, or whether you have been coming to Mosaic for years, but we're now coming out of the pandemic, we have a whole new set of challenges before us as a church. So how do we confront them? We remind ourselves not only of the truth in the gospel, for sure, that's part of it, but where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, where we have to make decisions, we think, what are the things that we value? And so this month, in the month of September, starting this week and over the next few weeks, we're going to be working through our core values one at a time. And this week we cover the core value of people. And really this question that was put to Jesus, or that Jesus put to him, who is our neighbor? Who are the people in the life of Mosaic that when we think about church, when we think about working through spiritual things, when we think about reaching out and connecting with others, when we think about uh, living our lives, who are the people that we see that are a part of that? That is the fundamental question that's being presented to Jesus. Just who is my neighbor? And uh, it's introduced to Jesus by a lawyer who comes to him working out some of the most important questions in life. In Luke's Gospel, in chapter 10, uh, uh, the question that's presented is, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So this is no flippant hobby horse topic. This isn't just some random Reddit uh, theme that got tossed out there. This is the question of the arrival of God's kingdom, what God is doing in the world, and how that impacts our lives for all of eternity. And so someone who cares about that a lot comes to Jesus and says, what must I do in order to get a hold of what God's doing in a way that benefits me and brings me eternal life. So, fair enough. And Jesus responds saying, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered this correctly. Do this and you will live. So love the Lord your God with all of who you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And then here in verse 29 is a bit of the twist, right? So the man, and we're told by Luke in this account, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and just who is my neighbor? And so... (laughs) Here in verse 29, we have an approach to uh, the challenge of what it looks like to live out our faith when it comes to other people. Because uh, people, people who are challenging, people who require some measure of time and energy to engage with, there's a whole lot of them, and so uh, that can quickly become overwhelming. What this lawyer was asking is, how can I limit down uh, the people that I have to care for? How can I limit this question of just who is my neighbor? 
And in response to that, Jesus tells him a story. Uh, it's a story that may be familiar to you, maybe not. It's oftentimes called the Good Samaritan. It's one of those Bible stories uh, that has worked its way out uh, into things like Good Samaritan laws and uh, into popular culture. And so I'm guessing that at least some majority of you have come into contact with it. But what I want you to appreciate is what's going, what Jesus is going after in this story is the answer to the question of uh, when God's love impacts me, how should I think about the people in my life? How should I think about answering the question, just who is my neighbor? And so Jesus uh, tells this story. Uh, about a man who was traveling and he got beat up. He ran into some trouble. He was hurting. He was in a difficult spot. It is a social problem that this man faces. It was often during the first century uh, Mediterranean world that when you were traveling from city to city, that people knew the roads that you would be on, and they didn't have cars with locks on them that drove 60 miles an hour. And so when you were traveling along, people could see you from a long ways down the road, and they could plot against you. And that's what happened to this man who was traveling. And uh, then we're introduced to a series of characters in the story. First, the priest, the one who ministers to people in the temple, the one whose very vocation it is to care for others. The priest comes alongside, and what happens? We're told that in verse 31, he passed by on the other side of the road. He moved out of the way and kept going. And then we're told about a Levite, another exemplary spiritual man who walks by. And the drama thickens as, uh, you know, we expect, okay, well, if the priest didn't do it, surely the Levite will do it. And the Levite doesn't. He just passes by. And uh, one thing that's important to note here that I think often gets missed because we're familiar with this is that we can... Uh, think ill of. We can caricature uh, that priest and that Levite. We can think, oh, it's so good that I'm not like them. But that's not how the story is intended to be written. That's not how it would fall on first century ears. It would actually be quite surprising. The reality that I think that Jesus is pressing in on is not for us to go, well, thank goodness I'm not a Levite or a priest. But I think the reality that Jesus is pressing in on is we often face challenges for uh, when we come across opportunities to love other people, when we come across opportunities to live out our faith uh, connected to their lives. And passing by can be easy for a whole host of reasons. We could be uh, having uh, a bad day. And we can be preoccupied with our own sets of priorities. And so we move that above and say, I just don't have time. Maybe we get frustrated and angry by the people who seem to constantly need help. And we think to ourselves, you know what? He should have seen that trouble down the road when he took off. He should have mapped this out better. I can't believe he fell prey to these robbers. That's on him. I can't fix everyone else's problems. Problems. Or maybe the Levite and the priest, they struggled with some internal sense of shame and fear. 
fear that like they want to help they know that's the right thing to do but they just don't know how that will impact them if they stop maybe they get hurt maybe the robbers are still around maybe uh, that resources they run short at the end of the month for their own family well when you put it like that it gets much harder to distance ourselves from the Levite and from the priest when we really are pressed to think through how often do our own to-do lists how often do our own frustration with others and the decisions they've made? How often does fear of, uh, you know, good intention, but fear of how helping them may impact me? How often do those things get in the way of us considering others our neighbors? How often do those function as obstacles in our life to love people? That's what Jesus is going after in the story. He's trying to not let people off the hook so quick, but to press in. And so then a Samaritan, a Samaritan, someone who doesn't fit the type, someone who doesn't fit uh, who would naturally show love, someone who maybe even was despised, an enemy, someone whose natural inclinations don't align, someone who's not part of our team, someone who's not on our side, someone who you wouldn't follow on social media. That person comes along. And what do they do? They show mercy. They give of themselves. They pay a cost. And so it lands on us or it should land on us when we see this unexpected person coming along to show friendship and care and love. When he saw him, in verse 33, he had compassion. And in six concrete actions, he comes up to him, he binds his wounds, he anoints the cuts with oil, he loads the man on his own mule to provide relief, he takes him to the inn, and provides care and comfort enough for 24 days that's the equivalent of what's in luke's gospel for the cost that he paid and so after unpacking this tangible care jesus turns back to the lawyer and says who was the man's neighbor the man the lawyer answers the one who showed him mercy and Jesus says, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. There's this mobilizing, this challenge for us to move into the world around us, the spaces that we function in. So kids, whether that's our schools or whether that's our neighborhoods, uh, whether that's the people we come across in the hallways on our way to lunch, whether for those of us who are uh, working uh, or those of us who live in apartment buildings or condos, the people that are around us in our day-to-day lives. We are to think about them as our neighbors. We're to love them the way the Samaritan loved this man. Jesus' challenge to go and do likewise, it functions as this powerful rebuke to tame and sluggish Christianity. 
this idea that following God is uh, just one choice you make and then really doesn't have any other impact on your life. When Jesus talks about people, and he talks about people in this way, the people who were called to love, it is a rebuke against a consumeristic mentality that when you think through your faith, you think, well, what do I get out of it? Or what's in it for me? It's a call for you, friends, here at Mosaic Silver Spring to think through loving people even when it costs you something. To think through the question of who is my neighbor, and the bottom line answer is anyone I come into contact with. They're my neighbor. How could we possibly do that? Won't, Joel, won't we get quickly overwhelmed? Won't our resources be exhausted? Uh, to some extent, yeah. And, and there's a balance that we work out in community, but why would we do that? Let me give you the good news here. The good news here is that Jesus' call to go and do likewise is strengthened, is resourced by, is empowered by his own love toward you. Aren't you thankful, and this should be good news for you, that Jesus didn't look at you in your sinful brokenness and say, well, he or she is not my neighbor Jesus looked at you and said, that's a potential family member for us. They could be adopted into our family as a daughter and son. They could be a co-heir with me for all of eternity. That's the cost that Jesus paid for you and for me. And so when Jesus asks us to love other people in this way, he's asking us to follow his example in the Gospels themselves, where Jesus looked at us and didn't owe us anything. And in fact, we had made all sorts of mistakes, but Jesus didn't get angry at our sin and say, well, that's a reason for me not to love or care for them. He recognized that loving us comes in the face of that. And so just as the Samaritan did, Jesus showed us compassion. Jesus arrives on the scene as one himself who becomes despised and rejected for us. The good news is that Jesus looked at us and said, they are my neighbor and paid not only 24 days worth of in fees for our wounds to be healed, but paid the cost of his life on a cross so that our sins could be dealt with. Jesus paid the price of shedding his own blood and giving his own life so that you and I, friends, could receive mercy, so that our wounds could be healed. It is by his stripes that Jesus delivers that. And so it becomes the driving force that resources us to love others in that way. So listen, kids, particularly for those of you who are school age, here is one way in which this could work out as you think through, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? Let me tell you, here's one of the things that it means for you kids. When you're in school, you may already have a set of friends, but the question is, will you befriend other people? What about people who don't look just like you? or who don't go to your pool or live in your same neighborhood or you may not have other connections with, can they still be considered your friends? Could you reach out to them? Yes, 
Jesus says, just like he reached out to us. So if you think about that, kids, in the weeks and years ahead, then I would encourage you to think, do I act that way? Or am I just cloistered to my own group? Now, adults don't think that, or those of you who aren't in school, don't think that you're off the hook. The same applies. I would challenge you to think through how you direct your own time. Do you ever consider people who don't naturally align with your type or who aren't a part of your already in group? Do you ever intentionally go seek to build friendships with them? If not, I would challenge you over the next six months to do that, to form one new friendship with someone who isn't just like you. To form one new friendship with someone who you don't automatically have all sorts of things in common. And by doing so, you begin to take a step toward what it looks like to show mercy and to maintain connection and to actually stop and engage instead of passing around the other side of the people in our lives. That's one of the overflows of what it looks like for us to put into practice God's love for us. It used to be that church plants and churches in America, particularly American evangelicalism, would look for one type of people. And they'd, they would say, this is our type of people. And if we just draw in these types of people, we will be a successful church. Well, here at Mosaic, when we express our core value of people, we don't think or should not think ever of one type. As if we are casting directors who are just looking for that right person to fill that role, that strong female lead character, or the quiet, thoughtful guy who isn't the most athletic but can get the job done. We don't have a type. That's for movies or shows or things that get streamed that you may or may not consume. But the gospel and our mission when it comes to people is that types are anyone who is impacted by the reality of sin. Hint, everybody. And as a community, what that means for us is when we come into contact with people, uh, we can't just say, oh, you're not a mosaic type. Our mission of people compels us to be more open than that. Now, if I'm being honest, that means that there are different sets of challenges. Because when everyone has a bunch of things in common, uh, their economic status, their politics, and everything else, then conversations go a bit more smoothly in some ways. But they're failing to capture just who is their neighbor. And so at Mosaic, when it comes to people, we've said we're going to lean the other way. We're going to say up front, when we think of people, we think of all generations, all ethnicities, all education and economic levels, all age groups, and we are called to minister and care for all of them. Now, that's going to introduce other challenges, I grant, but that's how we understand the working out of the Good Samaritan. That's how we follow in Jesus' pattern of loving and showing mercy to others. Not just to the others who are like us or in our groups, but showing love and mercy to all who have ears to hear. 
When we think about people in our lives and the neighbors we come into contact with, we follow the divine, redemptive script of a Savior who came to seek the lost. We, at Mosaic Silver Spring, look to Jesus and his grace to us as the example and as the answer to the question, who is my neighbor? That's how we work it out. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it is so easy to say sometimes and so hard to do that we should love other people who aren't like us. But God, I pray that we would start small as a church. That for us, that would start small, just just sitting next to someone who doesn't look just like us or who we don't have everything in common. And I thank you for the people who regularly put that into practice in our church. Bless them, strengthen them, and build them up, I ask you, by the power of your Spirit. I ask that they would be an example to the rest of us, to those of us who are afraid or, or don't do great with awkward conversation. God, I pray that we would be compelled when we come across others to not just pass around the other side because it's easy, but to love them as our neighbors because it's what you did for us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.